like that. You want to try that. Let's see if I remember how to do this. Hello, everybody. It is I, Logan Blackman, host of the world-renowned Logan Blackman Show. Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a long-ass time since we have recorded an episode. There was a stretch where I was doing very, very well. Very, very well. We were recording on Wednesdays and Fridays. We're recording on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sorry, posting on Wednesdays and Fridays. We had a consistent run for a decent amount of time. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. It just stopped. And I uh, will explain all of it. I promise you, I will explain all of it. But before I explain anything, before I explain anything, in return for explaining why I have been absent from the Logan Blackman show and not been doing my holy uh, occupation, you have to make sure to follow the Logan Blackman show in every single form of social media. Yeah, you heard me right. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Wow, we started with that one first. Interesting. Again, it's been a while since I've done this. <laughs> Make sure to follow Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which is for whatever reason we started with first. The Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman or X, whatever you want to call it. The Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show and make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com, check out our latest blog post. We have Mock Draft 1.0 still available for you. Mock Draft 2.0 will be coming out here shortly. So obviously we've got the NFL Combine this weekend, so it'll come out shortly after the NFL Combine. I'm not going to promise Monday or Tuesday, because obviously the Combine ends on Monday. So maybe a week after the Combine. So a month after Mock Draft 1.0 came out, we're probably going to have Mock Draft 2.0. So Monday, let's look at the date. Let's make sure we get the dates right here. Monday, March 11th, so a little less than a month since the last time we posted a mod draft, so make sure you go to loganblabbinshow.com and make sure you check out Mod Draft 1.0 before 2.0 comes out, and of course, the most important thing you can do is make sure to follow Logan Blabbin Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a rating out of five stars on both, doesn't necessarily need to be a five star rating, but I would greatly appreciate it if you would to be so, were to be so kind, I would greatly appreciate it. Now... For the absences. <laughs> so we obviously had a show. We have recorded in the month of February. It might not feel like we've re- recorded in the month of February because the last time we recorded a show was February 16th. <laughs> that is the last time we posted a show. If you check the calendar right now, it is not February 17th. It's not February 18th. No, it's March freaking 1st. We are in March already. That is too much for my brain. I can't wrap my brain around that. That we are already in freaking March. The last time we recorded the show that we did was talking about the NFL Honors, which we had a massive rant about the NFL Honors and the legitimacy behind NFL Honors and why it's a sham this year. Gordon Shamsey instead of Gordon Ramsey's stupid NFL Honors. Dumb, dumb, and dumber. We got the Chiefs going back to back. Three Super Bowls in four years. uh, Wait. Three Super Bowls in... Five years, because <laughs> remember, they lost to the Buccaneers, lost to the Bengals, obviously, and they see change the game. So yeah, three Super Bowls in five years, but back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, we did Montrev 1.0. J.J. McCarthy, we talked about his skyrocketing draft stocks, which we'll talk about later in the show as well. And we talk about greatness. I cannot remember what the greatness conversation was about, but we talked about greatness. Maybe it was because we talked about like Patrick Mahomes being up there with the upper echelon of the NFL quarterbacks out there, Andy Reid being up upper echelon of coaches. Travis Kelsey being in the upper echelon of tight ends. Steve Spagnola being the in the upper echelon of assistant coaches. And why it could be weird to put Steve Spagnola in the NFL Hall of Fame, or Pro Football Hall of Fame, I should say, because it's not the NFL Hall of Fame, it's Pro Football Hall of Fame. Two different things. 
It might not feel like it, but those are two different things. Even though he wasn't the greatest NFL head coach. Because usually when you're a good defensive coordinator, good odds coordinator, whatever, you get a head coaching opportunity and you got to take advantage of that. You don't. There's no assistant coaches in the NFL Hall of Fame. Pro, I did it again. Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Fame. But that was the last show we did. And even before then, we had a little break. Because we didn't record directly after the Super Bowl. No, we record the, first, the show before that was on February 7th. So again, we have lost the consistency. The month of February was not a good month for the Logan Blackman show in regards to consistency. <laughs> but we are back. We are back. And I did, I, to be fair to myself, to be fair, I did warn you that we were not going to be as consistent uh, in the coming weeks. So obviously the last show we recorded February 16th. Fine. That's two weeks ago to this point. Two weeks ago. If you look at the next few days, obviously we did not record one for the 19th. We haven't recorded a Monday show in a little bit. We might try to get back on that, but we'll we'll see. Time permitting. I, I get really busy on Sundays now for some reason. Tuesdays and Thursdays are just really easy days for me to work with. So we'll see if we can get those back on the schedule. But Tuesday, March, or March, February 20th. What were we doing Tuesday, February 20th? Because I know what I was doing Thursday, February 22nd. I was at Miss Kitty's in uh, Clive, Iowa, over by Windsor Heights. It's a little country. I think it's a country bar. I think it was a country bar. It's a little bit of a, you know, get together before the wedding. A little bit of a get together before the wedding. I don't What was I doing on February 20th? Oh, it was my friend Christian's birthday. It was my friend Christian's birthday. We went out to eat. We went to El Mariachi. Played Cards Against Humanity. It was a fun night. Very, very fun night. So I didn't end up recording a show. That night, and then Thursday, obviously, we went to Miss Kitty's. We preempted that, though. I wasn't sure if we were going to have a show on the Wednesday, February 21st, but we ended up not having one. We obviously didn't have one on the 23rd of Mar- or February either because this weekend, Carly and Brady, Brady obviously been a constant figure on the Logan Blackman show as of late. They got married this weekend, so give a round of applause to Brady and Carly. I'm smacking the tail because I'm holding the mic in the other hand, so hopefully you can, <laughs> hopefully you can hear that. We'll slap the... I don't want to slap the microphone. This thing was too expensive. But well, cheers to them, I guess. I got My dad found Labatt Blue Light at Hy-Vee. Labatt Blue has been on very short supply as of late. I wanted to rock up to the Super Bowl party. We were watching with Brady and his family. Rocking some Labatt Blue. Drinking the, che- the tears, potential tears, I guess, of the Kansas City Chiefs and Chiefs Kingdom. Too bad it didn't end up working because we had Coors Light instead of the beautiful Labatt Blue. Another in cans. We've only had bottles up to this point. But well, cheers to them with a nice little sip of a... Labatt Blue, just listen to how smooth this is. Oh my god. Oh goodness gracious. Oh goodness gracious. Now I did have a, a decent amount of Coors Lights on uh, at Miss Kitty's. We went there just for, again, the wedding was on last Saturday. Very good wedding. Everything went very smoothly. Carly's a wedding planner, so everything went as expected. But thir- Thursday at Miss Kitty's was a, like a line dancing night. And I am not prone to be a line dancer, let alone a dancer in general. So this was not something I was extremely comfortable with in regards to, hey, you're going line dancing. Thankfully, there was no, (laughs) my hands weren't tied behind my back or anything, and I was not forced to go on the dance floor. Because I just sat there, and we hung out and had a very good time. But walking up to Miss Kitty's, it is not, when you keep hearing yourself say Miss Kitty's, it sounds way worse than what it is. Like, if you didn't know what Miss Kitty's was before, what would you ex- what would you think Miss Kitty's is? If you had to guess, you wouldn't think it's a bar in a strip center in Clive, Iowa. I don't think you would really expect that. <laughs> I think you would expect something like on the east side, Des Moines, 
like tucked back with barely any lights in the parking lot. I think that's what you're kind of expecting when you hear the name Miss Kitties. But this is a fine establishment. I went there to watch Mizzet Wrestling one time. Or Micro Wrestling. Micro Wrestling, sorry. Just watched Jamaican Joe kick the absolute shit out of Hot Rod. Micro Jackson was there. Like, it was a beautiful night. But this one, so I've had two odd experiences there because walking up to the window, we saw like 100 people line dancing or square dancing, whatever the official term of this, sorry. And that scared me. Very cultish vibes going on in Miss Kitties, which again, is not a weird place. It's not a weird place. The only thing weird about Miss Kitties, I will say, there is a one-way mirror or a one-way window, I guess, or two, two sorry, two-way but the outside can't see of the men's bathroom. So when you're taking a piss of the urinal in the men's bathroom, you can look out into the bar. If you're just in the bar area, you can't see into the bathroom. But if you get up close to it, you can see directly into the bathroom as well. It's a very weird place to have a window. And I'm sure it's been uh, not the greatest spot for a lot of weirdos out there. But it's, it's just odd. It's just odd. But again, good night. And then Friday was very smooth. Gave a speech. It was very fun. I was really nervous. I didn't write anything down. And as you could tell, I didn't write anything down for this because this is kind of rambling all over the place. But again, we're trying to catch a rhythm again. It's been a while since we've done this, trying to catch a little bit of a rhythm here. But it was hard to write stuff down. I've never given a speech at a wedding. This wasn't even the official wedding day. This is the day before. So this is just to some friends and family. This isn't to the whole, 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 whole last wedding here. But I, I couldn't figure out how to write anything down. I thought it went pretty smoothly. I'm not going to lie. I could be tooting my own horn a little bit, but I thought it went pretty smoothly. We set up everything. Really nice venue. We did like uh, walk entrance pictures before the wedding started. We all these great track shoots. I've actually got on the sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm not, not planned here. It's like $15 sweatshirt from uh, Amazon. From Amazon. We all had these different sweatshirts and sweatsuits on. Walked in, did some game day pictures, did the wedding again. Everything went super smoothly. The only thing that was messed up I've said this probably 300 times since this weekend. Uh, no, not 300, probably two times. But again, it's still kind of funny. We messed up the uh, we. I messed up the uh, the bro hug walking down the aisle. You know, like when you walk down the aisle one of your friend's weddings and you're like, well, what are we going to do? You're, you're going to meet up. Like, what's the what's the correct procedure that takes place here? Do we walk up and just not even look at each other? Do we give like a wink, like a sack tap, something? What do we do here? And Brady was like, okay, guys, we're doing the same thing all around the table. All around. We're going to do dap up with the right and then right hand over, bro hug. It's going to be smooth sailing. Turns out it was not <laughs> because I went up with the natural left hand, but no one noticed it. So I, it didn't really bother. It doesn't bother me, but it was just, that's the only thing that I could think of that didn't go According to plan, I guess. We had a bunch of mascots there. We had Casey Wolf inside there. Carly, obviously, formerly Cy, still does a lot of stuff with the university. And yeah, got the mascots down there. Everything was just really fun. Until the end, and we learned that we, while we were a little bit tipsy, a little inebriated, we had to tear down everything. <laughs> Didn't know that going in, but it was perfectly fine. We Everything went really smoothly again. Great wedding. Congratulations once again to Brady and Carly on getting married. They're going to Ireland in May. So that'll be fun. And then Tuesday, recovery still from the wedding, pretty much. My throat was freaking killing me. It was that I was not feeling the greatest from Sunday all the way to about Tuesday afternoon. And I was still kind of recovering Tuesday evening. So I was like, you know what? We're not recording. We're not going to record anything. So I do apologize. But we were here now. February 29th, Leap Day. Happy Josh Allen Day to all who celebrate up there. 
Obviously, Josh Allen has leaped over a share of fair, pe- fair share of people sorry, throughout his NFL career up to this point. Obviously, most famously, Anthony Barr's rookie year, which I was there for. Obviously, Justin Reed, which I was there for as well. Obviously, LeJarrius Sneed, which I was there for as well. And he also leaped over the off the line in the Dallas Cowboys game, which I was there for as well. I was not there, though, for the New England Patriots leap. Or the one against the Jets where he got spun in a, th- in a giant helicopter propeller type motion. Not there for those ones, but leaping has kind of been Josh Allen's thing. It's kind of been Josh Allen's thing. You want to know, like, for those of you out there who don't necessarily follow, like, intensely follow the draft process or watch quarterbacks back throughout their seasons and you watch it strictly from this is what this guy is and there's no room for improvement. There's some people out there that like that. You scroll through social media and there's strict college football fans that don't look at what the development process could be like at the next level. I'm not saying it's everybody, because I'm a college football fan myself. But when I see people talk about the likes of, like, J.J. McCarthy, and who knows? Who really knows, in all matter of fact? Who knows if J.J. McCarthy's an actual success in the NFL? But from what people I've gathered on social media, people are confused about why J.J. McCarthy is viewed so highly. Don't look at the potential of what he is as a football player. And what helps boost people's minds to a certain extent, not everybody's, because some people look down at this process as well, because you can even go back to last year and look like Anthony Richardson or Josh Allen again back in the 2018 draft. The combine is a very good place to boost your draft stock, good or bad, good or bad. Like it can, it can benefit you in more ways than once. It can absolutely tank your draft stock in more ways than one that well. Kyle Hamilton's a prime example of this. Now, I shouldn't say tank your draft stock when it comes to Kyle Hamilton, but Kyle Hamilton was a much better player. Like, Kyle Hamilton, talent-wise, and what you saw on the field at Notre Dame, and what you saw what he could become in college, or in the NFL, sorry, he should have been a top-five pick. By most estimates out there, Kyle Hamilton was viewed as a top-five player in that draft. But two things hurt him. One, he was a safety, and the positional value of a safety in the NFL draft is not necessarily the most high, unless you are a freak. Like, Jamal Adams was drafted with a top-six pick. Zon Taylor, rest in peace, was drafted with a top-five pick. Like, you have to be an elite, 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 elite talent to get drafted in the top five as a safety. And to some people out there, though Kyle Hamilton had the size, the production, and the field speed and field awareness to be a top five pick, he dropped because he tested poorly at the combine. One of the reasons he dropped at the combine was because of his 40 time. And for those of you who are unaware of what the 40-yard dash is, I've, I've talked about this every single year when it comes when the combine rolls around. I always make sure to talk about this because I feel like it's very important to discuss is that the 40-yard dash really brings out the primal urge of dudes out there. Like, when you're in elementary school, what's the number one thing to make you, like, the coolest guy and impress all the girls out there on the blacktop? That's if you're the fastest in your class. In reality, though, the 40-yard dash means jack shit. It really does. Because out of all the positions that run at the combine, we got quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, D linemen, edge rushers, like all those positions, does a 40 yard dash time really translate to on the field production? Because if you look at the top 40 yard dash times of all time, sure, some of them turned out to be very good, pretty good football players. Like Chris Johnson was a very, very, very good football player. Very, very good player. But you look at the likes of John Ross who got drafted in the top nine because of his 40-yard dash time. He broke Chris Johnson's record. So his draft stock boosted through the freaking roof. 
to the moon, as some of the crypto dudes say. What did John Ross do in the NFL? He did absolutely nothing in the NFL. Because the speed doesn't always translate. There's certain, sure, there's certain facets of the game that could use a 40-yard dash, but when are you ever going to be running 40 yards in an exact straight line at full speed? And the other thing about the 40-yard dash that I hate, and this is what hurt Kyle Hamilton, is that the 40-yard dash is so technical. Like, if you ran track at any point through, like, I, I shouldn't say any point because you could go, like, middle school, and pretty much everybody ran track in middle school, like 6th, 7th grade. But if you're talking about later in high school, and even sometimes in college, the 40-yard dash is track. That's what it is. You don't teach technique when you're running football. When you're running on a football field, the ball in your hand, you're not worried about your technique. You're not worried about keeping your nose to the ground for the first six yards and then looking up and then pumping your arms in solid motion and making sure you're running an exact straight line. That's not realistic in any stretch of the imagination. In any stretch. But the NFL Combine in a 40-yard dash, you have to have precise technique. Your jump has to be precise. If your jump's off, your rest of you's off. And that's how it is in track. When you get out of the blocks late, guess what? You're probably not going to win the race unless you have Usain Bolt-type speed here. Which, for most of us out there, that ain't the case. That really ain't the case. But again, the 40-yard dash brings out that, like, ooh, dude, that dude is fast. That dude is fast, and sometimes there are very draw-dropping moments. Like when you see Jordan Davis at the Combine. Remember him from Georgia? He was drafted the same year as Kyle Hamilton, actually. Actually, one pick after Kyle Hamilton, ironically. Didn't even think we were going to bring up Jordan Davis, but here we are. Jordan Davis, at 360 pounds or 350 pounds or whatever, ran about a 4.7 to 4.8. That is not real. Like, that stuff's cool. But when is Jordan Davis ever going to be running that fast? In that straight of line. Jordan Davis' splits are what matters there. Like, the three-cone drill is one of the most important drills in the draft because that tests your, you know mobility in regards to getting around tight spaces, especially for the linemen and the edge rushers, like bending around the the tackling dummy. That's important. Like if your technique is off <laughs> in the 40, I think Kyle Hamilton ran about a four, six. Like it was not a very good 40 time. And if you look at the top angle, like the straight on angle of Kyle Hamilton, he is all over the lane. He is all over the place. And that just completely screwed his time. And that fat, when that happened, his draft stock down. I remember in 2020, Justin Jefferson, you may know him as one of the best receivers in the entire NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL, about to get a new contract. We'll see where that goes. But Justin Jefferson, I remember watching the combine that time. And Justin Jefferson, it was said, if Justin Jefferson doesn't run a fast 40, he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. I don't remember what exactly. He ran like a 4-5 or something, 4-4-5, something like that. If he didn't run a sub 4-5, to some out there, he was not going to be a first-round draft pick. Isn't that insane? (laughs) Justin Jefferson. The same Justin Jefferson that broke every single receiving record when he was a rookie. And was the offensive player of the year last year. That guy. Depending on who you ask, is by far the best receiver in the NFL. But with how good receivers are in the NFL nowadays... And how deep the position is in general with all these seven on seven drills. I you could if you named like one of five receivers, I wouldn't really bat an eye in regards to who you think the best receiver is in the NFL. But Justin Jefferson definitely has a really strong case for that title. But not a first round draft pick. 
You want to know who's drafted before Justin Jefferson? Jalen Rager. Henry Ruggs. For different reasons, they're not on a team right now. I don't. I guess I shouldn't say about Jen, Jalen Rager, but Henry Ruggs, I know for a fact, is on the roster right now. They were so obsessed with speed in the draft process that we take away sometimes of what a player actually is. And the combine is kind of a catch-22 when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because we're a player that didn't have a lot of production, that can boost your draft stock a lot. Like Chop Robinson did not have necessarily the greatest year many were expecting of him this year. But at 250 pounds, or 254 pounds, I believe he he was, ran a 4.48. That is crazy. That is absolutely ludicrous that he was able to do that at that weight. Dallas Turner obviously ran the most, the fastest 40, which was kind of expected going in. We ran a 4.47, but even by a tenth of a second, or a hundredth of a second, sorry, he was that just that little bit faster than Chop Robinson, who was kind of seen as like a borderline first-round prospect going into the draft. And because of his day at the Combine, he could definitely sneak into the back half of the first round. Like a team like the Buccaneers just cut Shaq Barrett. I think they could be a team that definitely looks at him. The Ravens, who drafted another Penn State guy who didn't necessarily have the greatest production in college. Like his last year at Penn State, he had zero sacks. Adafi Owe, first-round draft pick. He's kind of had a little bit of an up-and-down career, but you can see the athleticism there. And for teams like the Raiders, good Lord, they are creaming their jeans with some of these prospects, man. <laughs> the Raiders have made a history of being height-weight speed guys. And what I mean by that is they're big and athletic. <laughs> very big, very athletic players. Fast as shit. <laughs> Darius Hayward Bay, prime example of that. Receiver. Solid receiver in college. Solid receiver in college. But I believe, if I remember correctly, that draft, you drafted before Michael Crabtree, who was the best receiver in college at that time. Now, obviously, the meme with Richard Sherman going around, well, not going, it's not going around anymore, but you put a sorry receiver like Crabtree on me, you know that's what you're going to get. Michael Crabtree at Texas Tech was not a sorry-ass wide receiver. <laughs> Michael Crabtree at Texas Tech was a very damn good wide receiver. and had some solid moments in the NFL, but his most memorable moment to me, I think it was, oh, I can't remember who the broadcaster was. But Crabtree has an innate ability to suck in these balls. That's one of the greatest commentary lines of all time. It's a great line. Absolutely great line. <laughs> but there's not, there's, I, I feel like if the Raiders go back to the Raider way, because that's what they've been trying to reestablish, is like getting back to being the, what it means to be a Raider. They're probably going to go after the combine and get some of these height weight speed guys. I don't know which one yet. Because it definitely won't be Chop Robinson. You can't draft Chop Robinson with a 13th overall pick, which is the pick the Raiders currently have. That That's that's malpractice. I understand they drafted Cleveland Farrell with the 4th overall pick, but that was an insane regime that also drafted Alex Leatherwood in the first round and Damon Arnett. <laughs> it's, like, it's not the greatest regime of all time. But, hey, they drafted Josh Jacobs. That worked out pretty well, I guess. But that Cleveland Farrell pick, good Lord, that was an insane pick at the time. That draft was just so weird, that 2019 draft. Like, in the top first six picks, you had two insane draft picks. You had Cleland Farrell going to the Raiders at four. And they're kind of like the Niners. They lucked out, and they got uh, Max Crosby in that draft, I believe, as well, in the fifth round. I think it was the fifth round. And then two picks after that, the New York Giants <laughs> get Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, a rich guy right now. 
rich guy right now. But there's some links with the Giants getting quarterbacks. And again, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to focus on the D linemen and edge rushers here in a little bit for right now because today was the first day of the combine. And the the edge rusher and defensive tackle department or defensive lineman department is kind of one of the more interesting days because that's where you get the freaky freaks. That's where you get freaky, freaky, freaky guys because that's where you get the Georgia dudes that don't move like everybody else. Now, we didn't necessarily get that kind of performance this year. It was like jaw-dropping, but Chop Robinson probably was like that from the edge rusher standpoint. But the D-tackle side, uh, Brandon F- Braden Fisk, sorry, dominated the combine. Braden Fisk from Florida State may very well have just played himself in the first round. He was already seen by some out there to be a borderline first-round draft pick as a D-tackle. Especially with uh, Jerzon Newton battling some injuries, he did not test the combine today. Byron Murphy, I think, still far and away the number one D tackle prospect. But Brandon Feist, Fisk, sorry, he had a great he he had the best day of the combine today. He had the best day of the combine. Like Brandon Fisk, Brandon Fisk today, four point three seven short shuttle. Just for perspective, Aaron Donald, you might remember this guy. Arguably the greatest defensive tackle of all time. And it, just because you compare times does not mean like Fisk is going to become, or Fisk, jeez, I keep messing. Fisk is not going to become Aaron Donald. That's why you got to be careful with some of the things on you say on these things because if you say this time is like this time, that some people out there would go like, well, you're directly comparing to this guy. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But his time is two hundredths of a second faster than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald ran a 4-3. Nine, or had a four three nine in the short shuttle. That is insane. That is insane. He dominated the forty yard dash, and even went oh yeah when he ran across the line. It was awesome. <laughs> they had to replay it with sound on. But four seven eight was his forty yard dash time. Four seven eight as a D tackle that came in weighing two hundred ninety two pounds. That is pretty damn impressive. And then you got Wingo from LSU running a 4.85. Byron Murphy, who again we talked about, is probably the number one, far and away, the number one D tackle prospect in this draft this year, ran a 4.87. Like these times, Chris Jenkins had a very big comeback time because his first time was like a 5.02, which I thought was slow. I predicted a 4.87 when he first ran, and he ran a 4.91, was his official time. So that's what you like to see. That's what you really like to see. Hopefully we don't have like any super big mess ups in the 40 yard dash. Cause remember a couple years ago, everybody's time was jacked. Every single time was jacked, but you didn't get those like freaky freak guys this year. But Brandon Fisk again, four, seven, eight is pretty damn impressive at 292 pounds. Regardless of what we say about like the technique and stuff like that. Big dudes like that don't like, if you get a receiver, then I don't really care. <laughs> if you, and, then, and this doesn't translate. I'm not saying it translates. Right? It's just cool. That he ran a four seven eight, and zero it translates zero because <laughs> he's gonna have to explode for two seconds, and that two seconds might get him three yards. So I'm not really <laughs> putting a lot of weight on man. If he runs this at the combine, what is he gonna do in the game? That's not what I'm saying here. But I, uh, there's sometimes I really think this is funny when you they, some they don't do this often, but sometimes they do. They throw like a, a really tiny edge rusher. Not really tiny, but a guy who kind of played both positions, D-line and edge rusher, with the D-tackle group. And they run like <laughs> their time is so much better. So it makes them stand out like a sore thumb, even though they're probably not going to play D-tackle at the next level. 
When we scroll down this list, you got Dwayne Carter from Duke, ran a 499. Uh, Mason Smith, 501. Tyler Davis, 502. Uh, Logan Lee from Iowa, 505. Uh, Gabe Hall from Baylor, 503. Leonard Taylor, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> 512. Uh, Keith Randolph, Jazon Newton's uh, interior D tackle partner at Illinois, ran a 515. Let's go. We like that time. We like that time. And yeah, Tavondre Sweat. This dude, so 527 is not like blowing the doors off anybody here when you're just looking at face value. When you realize Tavondre Sweat is 366 pounds, that is insane. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. 366 pounds. He, his, I always like this stuff. Like when you look at a team's roster, it's never their official height and weight, it's whatever the player says they are. Now, sometimes players can be deadly accurate with what their stuff. Like I was, I was six foot one ninety my senior year of high school, so I put in the program six foot one ninety because I thought that was like we got two zeros at the end. Six foot one ninety sounds like a good combination. Right now I'm two. I don't uh, probably two fifteen now, so it's a <laughs> it's a little bit stark difference. Almost a decade ago, which is crazy. Eight years ago, good lord. But uh. When you get in those situations, like I remember coach saying you get two inches and 20 pounds. That was what he said. Two inches and 20 pounds to like make you look bigger, to make you look more intimidating on the roster, even though you're not that big. And players do it all the time. Kevin Durant was listed at six foot nine when the dude was probably seven one his entire career because six foot nine sounded like a good number for a small forward. You can look up that quote. You can look up that quote. So when you three, you see 365 pounds on a roster you go like, okay, no way that guy's that big. You're like, he's obviously exaggerating at least a little bit. And in reality, he weighed less or weighed less on the roster than he does in actuality. He weighed 366 pounds. And yes, again, on face value, 527 is not blazing speed. But 366 pounds. Good Lord. Some of my friends that are not anywhere close to 366 pounds would struggle to run a 52740. And this dude did it at 366 pounds. <laughs> I want to do that one time. I want to get some friends together and have them run their 40s. Because I don't think any of them actually ever run a 40. So I think it'd be very interesting to to scout, to scout that out. My record 40 times was a 484. I ran that at William Penn my freshman year. So that kind of hurt because I never tested again after that because I got hurt. <laughs> Both ends of so the end of my... First semester, sophomore year, I got a concussion, so I didn't test. And then right before spring game, the week before spring game, I get another concussion, so I didn't test again. So I never boosted my time. I ran like a five, what was it, in Buffalo, like a five, maybe five flat, in Buffalo with jeans and no shoes on. I think that was pretty impressive. You can look up the video on YouTube with that one. I don't know if that, I'm not going to claim that's official or nothing, but you can, you can look it up. You can look it up because my dad was egging me. I was like, hey, you know what? That's pretty impressive for wearing no shoes and having jeans on. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. But, man, uh, the, the this group, the first day of the combine is always really fun to see. And another one on here that didn't run, like, the greatest, like, blow mind-boggling time on here is Darius Robinson from, Mar- from Maryland, from Missouri. This is like a three-tech, five-tech hybrid type player. Put him inside, put him outside, doesn't matter. Played a lot of interior in his first couple years at Missouri before kicking outside, he weighed 300 pounds playing on the inside. He weighed about 285 at the combine today. He ran a 495, which at 285, 
which is a lot bigger than most of the other edge rushers in this group. Because again, most of these guys in the college football where we play, where we're at right now in college football, we're running a lot of three, four base defenses, which means we're having a lot of stand up outside linebackers, which means you're having smaller players come off the edge. They're not the big heaping defense alignment that you're used to seeing in a 4-3 defense. And you can get some of the smaller D linemen playing in a 4-3, but usually it's the they're bigger because they got their hand in the dirt this time. They're not coming out of a two-point stance off the edge. you got to get speed around the, the off to tackle, which is why those uh, – what, what did we call them earlier? I completely, I completely forgot what we called them. Uh, the three-cone drills. That's why they're so important. It bends around. You're bending around. Hand in the dirt, bend around. You got dipped. It's it, they're fun drills. They're fun drills. But I you don't judge Darius Robinson on his 40 yard dash. And even then, we knew he wasn't extremely like fast. Like he has a great first step, but long speed is not part of his game. So I'm not too worried about it. And you look at some of the other edge rushers in this class that ran Brandon Delor- Dorless from Morgan. Similar-ish size, a little bit shorter from Oregon. He ran a 4.85. And then we've got Adissa Isaac from Penn State, ran a 4.74. Braylon Trice, bigger D end as well at Washington. But even then, 245 pounds. He's a bigger dude, but still 40 pounds less <laughs> than Darius Robinson. Ran a 4.72. Then we've got... Who else do we want to talk about here? Uh, Leatu Latu. Ran a 4-6-4. I'm really intrigued to see where he goes because off skill, in regards to most well-rounded edge rusher, he might he could go first. Out of the edge rusher. I'm not saying first in the draft. But his injury history is not great because he was he did technically retire. So it that will definitely come into play, but we'll see what how that's how some teams look at him. Like Seattle, they could look at him differently. Then we look at Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner's teammate, ran a 4-6. Outside linebacker tandem there. Jared Verse, more of a hand-in-the-dirt type guy, but even then, 4-5-8. Job, Rob, Job Robinson, oh, they adjusted Dallas Turner's time. They were 4 4 6. It was a 4 4 7 last time we were on this page. But this this draft is not like your typical big name, big time draft for like the defensive side of the ball. This draft is very offensive centric. The wide receiver portion of the combine is going to be ridiculous we've already done over the wide receivers in this draft and how deep this class is I was talking to my dad about this the other day this is one of the deepest classes we've seen in a while and I brought this up a little bit before of the seven on seven drills like seven on seven drills are so fun and so competitive so I think it brings out the best of everybody but you're getting the best receivers we've ever seen (laughs) like regards to talent we've ever seen like it's a ridiculous, it's ridiculous right now. Like just look at these names: Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, Brian John, Brian Johnson, Brian Thomas from LSU, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Adonai Mitchell, Lad McConkey. Which I'm very intrigued to see what Lad McConkey runs in the 40. So that'll be that'll be a tell because he can beat people with the with his route running. But we'll need to. See, I'm intrigued to see how people view him if he runs a slow-ish. 40, obviously, played wide receiver at Georgia in the SEC, so he's not a slow guy, but that'll be something to watch. Xavier Worthy, super explosive guy. Not very big, but explosive. Xavier Leggett, Jalen Polk, Roman Wilson, Tez Walker, Malachi Corley from from Eastern, geez, Western Kentucky, uh, Ricky Pearsall, Brennan Rice, uh, Jerry Rice, Jalen McMillan, 
Uh, Johnny Wilson, big dude. But you kind of get the fear of like big for no reason type thing, but we'll see. Uh, Javon Baker from UCF. Who else we got? Luke McCaffrey, Chris McCaffrey's brother, former quarterback. Uh, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint from Georgia. Jordan Whittington, Jaquan Jackson, Taj Washington, speed for days, Taj Washington. Uh, Cornelius Johnson. Like We've got a lot of very good wide receivers in this draft class. So if you don't get one in the first round, don't worry. You could you could find one in later rounds. You could find one later rounds. But obviously, people want you to draft wide receivers in the first round. Like, Packers fans have been bitching about that for years. Draft Rodgers a wide receiver. Draft Rodgers a wide receiver in the first round. Famously, Rodgers has thrown one touchdown pass when he was in Green Bay. One, t- well, I guess of the Jets, too, because he got hurt up four plays. He's thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round draft pick. And I'll leave that to you to guess who that was. They never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. But this receiving core the Packers have built is very solid. It's very young, and they're all later-round draft picks. Second round to later rounds of the draft. Christian Watson's the highest draft pick out of these guys. He's like pick 37 or something, or 36. I don't remember exactly what he was. I don't know, they're not going to draft a wide receiver in the first round this year, so don't get your hopes up there either. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up, but the wide receivers will be fun. But that's a couple days away. That's on Saturday. We get the wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs on Saturday. That's at 12 on Saturday. We got defensive backs and tight ends. D-backs could be interesting. Christian, uh, there, a few of them aren't testing, like Cooper DeGene. The Iowa guys aren't testing. Cooper DeGene's not testing because he's hurt. TJ Tampa's not testing either. So that would I was kind of intrigued to see how TJ Tampa would test. I was very interested to see that. But I'm in, really intrigued by Nate Wiggins. Nate Wiggins is a Steelers guy. <laughs> Height, weight, speed. That's Nate Wiggins from Clemson. If he runs a sub 4-3, I think the, which I'm fairly confident he will do it, and if he doesn't, he'll run a 4-3 flat or a 4-3-1. The Raiders, right there, in need of a corner, love big-time universities. I know Clemson hasn't been like Clemson recently, but they love that stuff. Obviously, Terrion Arnold from Alabama. I'm intrigued to see how he tests, but I think he's... Terrion Arnold's the number one corner in this draft just because of the tenacity and his willingness to do literally everything for the team. Former safety as well. As a corner, how do you rank fourth on the team in tackles when you're at Alabama as a corner? And not even by like a li- like by a lot. It's by my, my margins here where he was fourth on the team in tackles. And Quinion Mitchell, just a t- small school guy. Teams could get scared by that, but baller. Absolute baller. Kool-Aid McKintry, I'm, extreme, I'm, in, I'm in, uh, intrigued to see how he tests because he's one of those guys when you look him up and read about him and, and watch him, he feels like kind of one of those guys where that's what he is. That's what the kind of the gist I've gotten from Kool-Aid McKintry up to this point. Like, what's his ceiling? Does he reach the same ceiling as the guys we mentioned before? I don't know. But he's the, he was the main guy at Alabama. Even though Terry on Arnold's the number one draft prospect in regards to the cornerback position, Kool-Aid McKintree was the guy at Alabama. It's just about what their potential and their ceilings are at the next level. Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri, uh, Kamari Lassiter, Kalen King, who after that game against Marvin Harrison, he has not been looked the same at all. <laughs> Kalen King was widely considered to be one of the top corners in the draft before the Ohio State game. I guess even before then he was kind of like dipping a little bit, but that matchup was big. It was kind of a similar situation to that of A.J. Terrell versus Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Kind of similar thing to that. But we'll see. We'll see what all goes down from there. But, yeah, the combine's fun, man. The combine's fun. And then we got tight ends, obviously. Brock Bowers, Tavion Sanders. We got some fun guys there. And the offensive lineman will be on Sunday at noon. And we got some fun linemen in there. It's a very, this is a pretty deep lineman class as well. Wide receivers and linemen. 
It's a good year to want them. <laughs> it's a pretty solid year to want them. Like, both on the interior and the exterior, I guess you could say. Like, Joe Alt, Olu Fashano, Talise Fuaga, J.C. Latham, Amarius, Win- Amarius Mims, Troy Fautanu, Tyler Guyton. Like, those are all first-round pretty much locks to this point. And that's just tackles. Like, I'm not even done reading. Like, Jordan Morgan, uh, Kingsley Suam. Suamataia, sorry. I I struggled with this when we did the Iowa State preview when we talked about BYU. I struggled with his name a decent amount, so I was making sure I got it right. Patrick Paul from Houston. Uh, Kieran Emejijat, Emet from Yale. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, and that's just the outside guys. Interior guys, you got Jackson Powers, Johnson from Oregon, Grant Barnes, Zach Fraser, Cooper Beebe, uh, Christian Haynes from UConn. Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. Christian Mahogany from Boston College. I always like myself an interior lineman from Boston College. Uh, Dominic Pooney. Zach Zinter. Javion Cohen. Like We've got some good options here. We've got some very, very, very good options here. And I'm excited to see how they all test. But the main people we want to watch are the receivers and quarterbacks. Running back class is not that deep. Compared to years past. I don't know when the first running back will get taken. I think Jonathan Brooks is the best running back available, but Jonathan Brooks also tore his ACL this year, so I don't know where he's going to go. I just got like Blake Corum's up there as well, Trey Benson from Florida State, Braylon Allen's young. You got Bucky Irving, you got Audric Estime, Estime, sorry, Will Shipley, Jalen Wright, Ray Davis from Kentucky, Marshawn Lloyd, Dylan Johnson, Cody Schrader. Got Heisman votes, <laughs> Isaiah Davis, baller from South Dakota State, Frank Gore Jr., Kendall Milton. Oh, we got options here, but this is not... Tyrone Tracy, former Iowa Hawkeye. Jabari Small from Tennessee. It, it, we, we've got options, but it's not really... I don't think we're scaring a second-round guy. I don't think we're even doing that. Like, usually you see running backs not get talked about in the first round anymore, but I don't even think we're scaring the second round this year. I think we're getting probably three in the third round, and then that's... Then we're going. I don't know where we're going from there. I couldn't tell you who those three are. If I had to guess, I think Bucky Irving would be very interesting from Oregon. I think Jonathan Brooks will be one of them. I think Bucky Irving might be one of them. I mean, Estime from North, Notre Dame. Braylon Allen's young. That's the thing that helps him out a lot. Blake Corum obviously has the ton of college productions. It's just a running back's a weird one. I need to go look back at that one a little bit more. But. Those are just some names. But the main things we want to watch are quarterbacks and wide receivers. And obviously the big three quarterbacks are not testing. That's Caleb, or throwing anyways. That's Caleb Williams, that's Drake May, and that's Jaden Daniels. And conveniently, we've got some needy quarterback teams at the top of the draft. So this is kind of, I don't want to say hurting their evaluation process. But to to be fair, I don't think either one of, none of those guys are really changing (laughs) anything at the Combine. The way these teams viewed these quarterbacks that are at the top of this draft class, they were getting viewed that way regardless of how they did at the combine. Regardless. I mean, we don't have an Anthony Richardson on our hands here. I mean, we do in Joe Milton, but that we're talking about a later round guy. Joe Milton could definitely get his way up to the third round, maybe even potentially, doubt it, but second round, just based off tools alone, I wouldn't be shocked by it. He's definitely not a first rounder. Spencer Rattler, I think, could do really well at the combine. Obviously, got Bo Nix, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy. We'll talk about it in a little bit as well, which we already talked about him a little bit. Well, those top three quarterbacks, in whatever order, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, Drake May, are the top three guys. Unless J.J. McCarthy blows the roof out the combine and people keep bashing Drake May's draft stock, 
which I, is so odd right now. Like, when I was writing dissertations about Jaden Daniels when he was still at Arizona State, never in my wildest dreams did I think we'd be having conversations of Jaden Daniels. I, heard, I saw this today. Dan Orlowski was talking about it on ESPN that the Bears should draft Jaden Daniels first overall. Can you believe that? Hold on. Smooth as ever, Labatt Blue. But, uh, like, I never thought that would happen. I never did. Obviously, I didn't even know who Caleb Williams was at that time because <laughs> he wasn't even at Oklahoma yet when Jane Daniel was still at, or- at Arizona State beating Oregon with Justin Herbert at quarterback. Like, isn't that just insane how this process works? I've seen even more stuff saying he's clear-cut number two. And this is coming from somebody that defended and was Team Jane Daniels all freaking year. As a prospect, I'm not ready to sit here and say Jaden Daniels is better than Drake May and Caleb Williams. I'm not even really ready to say he's better than one of them, let alone both of them. Top pick in the draft? I understand why. I mean, I, I watched Jaden Daniels this year. I said he was the deserving Heisman. I said he should have walked away with the Heisman this year. We said that numerous times. We said it before it was even cool to say that. And now we're sitting here talking about how Jaden Daniels should be the number one pick. And now, to be fair, this is one person. Though I have seen Lewis Riddick, another guy's opinion that I, I trust quite a bit. I'm not even saying that sarcastic. I, I know that might have come off sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. I like Lewis Riddick. I like Dan Orlovsky a lot. But Jaden Daniels is not clear. I, I don't the, the think that there's any clear cut right now is kind of, I don't know. Based off last year, then I can understand. Because Jane Daniels obviously won the Heisman. Jane Daniels obviously had 40-plus touch, 50-plus touchdowns, include rushing touchdowns, with less than five interceptions, 1,000 rushing yards, almost 4,000 passing yards. I think he had 3,800, if I remember correctly. I'm not looking at the stats right now. Sorry. One of the best deep ball throws in all of college football. If One of, he's probably the best deep throw ball thrower in all of college football. Will also be the expo- most explosive player on the field. But I think people are kind of sleeping on Drake May a little bit. I don't even think kind of. I think I think they are. I think people are talking themselves out of Drake May, and it, it kind of confuses me. Like, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. I watched every North Carolina game this year. And I watched it back as well. And if you don't believe me, I wrote blog posts every single week throughout the college football season. Every single week. Of the college football season. With videos included for your viewing pleasure. And I can sit here and say Drake May did not have the season that we were expecting of like explosive plays or anything. But to say Drake May was bad is kind of crazy to me. That dude can make some of the most insane throws on the football field. I saw it was Kirk Benkirk on Twitter. You know, the former Packers guy. Just finished my Drake May review. He's more athletic. He's a more athletic. Yeah, you know what? Guess. Guess, <laughs> he said. Because I'll give you 100 guesses in 10 seconds. So you got to think of a lot of 100 names pretty quick. But I'll give you 10 seconds to come up with who he said. He's a more athletic blank with less arm talent and a lot less accuracy. He makes sure to add in parentheses. A lot less. A lot less. So we got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
Mason Rudolph. What? <laughs> a, le- a, a more athletic Mason Rudolph with less arm talent. Does Mason Rudolph have any real arm talent anymore? Do people actually look at him like Because he wasn't even really like that at Oklahoma State. He was good at Oklahoma State. I don't take anything away from him. He was good. Him and James Washington were a very fun combination at Oklahoma State. But did you watch Drake May this year? <laughs> I understand he didn't throw for 50 touchdowns and go undefeated this year. But Mason, we're comparing him to Mason Rudolph. Like, there's getting clicks, and then there's begging for clicks. Like, that is ridiculous, really? Mason Rudolph. Come on, man. Now, I don't want to go out there and say it, because the obvious comparison here is Justin Herbert. Everybody's going to make that comparison, mostly because of the fact they're kind of solemn creatures. Drake May does not really give interviews. Justin Herbert does not really like to talk, and they both kind of look similar-ish in the face. But I think people kind of sleep on Drake May's athleticism. I think that's something people kind of overlook, which is kind of crazy to me. Drake May is very athletic. Very athletic. He comes from a long line of athletes all played at the University of North Carolina. Luke May went to the national championship with North Carolina on the basketball team. His older brother. I didn't remember if they won a national championship while he was there. But he went to a national championship. His dad, I believe, played baseball at North Carolina. Like they, they have a long line of North Carolina athletes. Tar Heel through and through. This dude is an athlete. And that, I saw this analysis earlier today. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Comparing each of the top three quarterbacks, you can't necessarily bring up athleticism because they're all athletic in different ways. Obviously, Jane Daniels is the most electric out of all of them. He's the fastest. But Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and Caleb Williams are all athletic guys. All can make plays with their feet. I've seen Drake May jump over people before. I don't feel like that gets talked about enough. <laughs> I saw him jump over a Duke defender. I also saw him throw a touchdown pass with his left hand this year. I know I understand jumping over people and throwing with their left hand is not necessarily like the end-all and be-all with the player, but it's still really cool to see. <laughs> Drake May can make every single throw on the field, without question. And he's got the size to go along with it. So does it say he doesn't have the arm talent of Mason Rudolph? Like, that's the bar. Mason Rudolph is his bar. He's below that? Like, come on, man. Really? I I understand the business now, but come on. Did you watch Drake May this year? Or did you just look at the stats and say, well, that's not what I expected of him this year? Huh, that sucks. Well, Jane Daniels went supernova. And I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm not going to sit here and like chastise anybody for saying Jane Daniels is a better player. I'm not going to say that because Jane Daniels, great player. Great, great player. Big fan. We've talked about Jane Daniels for years, and I mean years on this show. So I'm not saying you can't think that. But what I am saying is that the Drake May evaluation process is kind of getting a little insane at this point in time. And Caleb Williams, by all accounts, it seems like it's going first overall. It looks like Justin Fields going to Atlanta. 
just based off rumor. I'm, I'm not basing it off something that, like, I've got the sources. The sources, trust me. That's kind of my thing right now. Trust me. That's my source. The video that circulated with Justin Fields in his kitchen and the guy in the background saying, ready to go home? And he's jumping and cheering. Like, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, Raheem Morris, I thought this was really funny. Raheem Morris, new head coach of the Falcons, he was at the Combine the other day and said, if we had good quarterback play, I'm probably not standing here. And that's fact. That's fact. And it also helped that Arthur Smith thought he was the smartest person on the field at all times. And what made it even funnier is that they cut Jonu Smith this week as well. <laughs> Raheem Morris came in the, to Atlanta with two things on his mind. New quarterback, get Jonu Smith out of town. <laughs> we are getting rid of this guy. Because his opening press conference, he talked about Drake, Drake London and Kyle Pitts being exciting reasons to come down to Atlanta. And you're going to sit there and tell him that he's got to play Jonu Smith? Nah. And thank God... They fired Arthur Smith because guess who's going to be the Falcons quarterbacks next year if Arthur Smith was still there? Ryan Tannehill. So congratulations, Falcons. You made it out of the dust. You made it out because you're getting either Justin Fields or one of the top guys in the draft. Which, according to reports, their top guy on their boards, Drake May. He's the apple of their eye per reports, which could be reports that just say, source, trust me, bro. Like That could be the source, really. But I saw that, so we're going to call it gospel here. We're going to call it gospel. But I just think that was so funny. If I, if we had good quarterback play, I'm probably not standing here. Like The Falcons made it abundantly clear they're getting a quarterback, whether it's trade, free agency, or the draft. And they were going to trade up to get one if they don't get Justin Fields. Because the only other option for Justin Fields, and I shouldn't say only other option, Justin Fields is a good quarterback. It's not like he should be struggling for options right now. But... Another option for Justin Fields is the Pittsburgh Steelers because Mike Tomlin really likes him. But I don't think that they would go that far in replacing Kenny Pickett yet. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is better than Justin Fields. Not get, don't get my words twisted here. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that Kenny Pickett's Tomlin's guy. That's the first quarterback he ever drafted. So remember, he came in when Ben Roethlisberger was already there. So this is his guy. Kenny Pickett's a pit guy. He knew this guy in college. Like, I think they're going to give him a little bit better of the doubt and try to build around him for at least another year and enter in Ryan Tannehill to be his backup. <laughs> That's my prediction. The Steelers are going to be hyped. Everybody's going to be hyped up. The Steelers are going to try and get Kirk Cousins. They're going to try and get Russell Wilson. They're going to try and get Justin Fields. Nope. You get Kenny Pickett back and you get Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Congratulations. You are back in the mud. So exact opposite of the Falcons here. Who are either getting a rookie quarterback or Justin Fields. Seemingly. Seemingly. If Belichick was there, who knows? Maybe they get Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I know how this all works out. That's why I'm sitting here in Madrid, Iowa. I'm not <laughs> I'm not in this decision-making rooms. I'm not there. But I do think that it does seem like Caleb Williams is going number one. It does seem like that, doesn't it? I don't think the Bears could afford to draft Drake May. Regardless of what I feel of him as a player... For most Bears fans, seeing another North Carolina quarterback come in who also wore number 10, that's where I think a lot of Bears fans would just draw the line right there and say we're either taking Caleb Williams or Jane Daniels, and that's it. That's it. But with that state, with that being said, because you get those you get scouting the helmet quite a bit. Scouting the helmet is a very popular thing to do. I understand it. I understand it. When you're looking at a prospect and you go like 
Like, here's this guy. Who's his con- – what school produced him? Like, C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields, two recent Ohio State guys. What Ohio State quarterback has been good in the NFL? And to most people out there, Tom Tupa is probably the answer, and Tom Tupa was a freaking punter once he got to the NFL. He played quarterback for about two years and moved to punter. Like, that's the level for Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. Terrell Pryor moved to wide receiver. He had some good moments with the Raiders and then ultimately moved to wide receiver. Like, the draft history for quarterbacks from Ohio State was not great. So some people out there would go like, hey, we're not going to draft this guy because he went to Ohio State, despite different programs, different quarterbacks in general. But we got, we're got we scouting the helmet. Same thing goes for Oregon, when Justin Herbert got drafted. What quarterbacks have been good from Oregon? Marcus Mariota's fine. But would you build around Marcus Mariota? I think at that time he just got benched in Tennessee. Or he was the backup in Vegas. I don't remember which one it was at the time. Either way, he wasn't starting. <laughs> Kellen Clemens, long-term backup with the Jets and Chargers. I think the Rams were a little bit too. Dennis Smith? Or Dennis Dixon, sorry. Dennis Dixon. Akili Smith, who got a nine on the Wonder League test. Uh, you'd have to go all the way back to Dan Fouts, but we're talking about all the way back in the 70s. Like, we're not... We're, <laughs> we can't go back that far. Gotta go more recent history. Never been LSU with Joe Burrow. Can you name one LSU quarterback apart from Jamarcus Russell and Matt Flynn? Who Matt Flynn's greatest memory is getting a big contract to Seattle only to not be named the star the same year he signed the contract because they drafted Russell Wilson? Because he had one good game in Green Bay? Regen Rob Johnson? Except Matt Flynn never got an opportunity after that. <laughs> like, I understand why people do it, but it, it's frustrating at the same time. That's why it's nice to have quarterbacks that, like, no one's ever been from before, which I think is a more damning indictment than anything. Like, you can't bring up anybody being bad from Wyoming because Wyoming's never had an NFL quarterback before Josh Allen, or at least anyone of note. So you can't go, like, well, I'm not going to draft Josh Allen because, oh, there's no one ever from there. But in the same breath, like, no Wyoming quarterback's ever been drafted, let alone get drafted. There's, I'm sure there's been Wyoming quarterbacks that get drafted. Not in the first round. Same with Utah State with Jordan Love. Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes. Like these schools, they don't, you don't necessarily get those other guys where you go, look at this guy. Like Patrick Mahomes had Graham Harrell, BJ Simons was there, who holds a crap ton of records passing the ball. You just don't get those guys. But it is, I understand it, and it's annoying. As annoying as it is, I get it, but to a certain extent. But when I say that, <laughs> so we're going Trubisky, or Drake made a Trubisky. Why are we not talking about J.D. McCarthy's Tom Brady? <laughs> why is that not the direct comparison here? Tom Brady, his last game of college football was a bowl game victory against Alabama. J.D. McCarthy's second to last game of college football was a bowl game victory against Alabama. Why are we not talking about that? <laughs> Tom Brady was embroiled in a quarterback controversy with Drew Henson. J.D. McCarthy, the same thing, except he was the Drew Henson in the situation because he was benching Cade McNamara. But unlike Drew Henson, J.J. McCarthy actually took the ball and ran with it and didn't run to play baseball and then decide, wait, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I want to play football again. Then proceed to be one of the quarterbacks for the 0-16 Lions. Like, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what I don't think J.J. McCarthy has done that to this point. 
But that's what you got to do. You got to keep it consistent, right? Like if if Mitch if Drake May is Mitch Trubisky, then Jaden McCarthy's Tom Brady. And that's where it gets a little interesting here, because the way Drake May's draft stock has been looking recently, I could be over over reading this or over analyzing this, but it would not shock me in the slightest. Now, number one pick, obviously Jim Harbaugh got clowned for that when he said it on Colin Coward's show. But I'm not. I'm not. He's not going to go number one. We know that. Number two, I don't think is out of the possibility. Which is insane to think about, and I'm not saying that I personally agree with that, but it is not out of the possibility at this point in time. Especially if and when he tests well on Saturday. If he runs, God forbid, he runs a 4-4 something, which I think is possible, 4-5 at least, the dude is fast as hell. And I'm pretty sure he's a history in track. In hockey, if I'm not mistaken. And throws well, because we all know he's got the arm. At least most of us do. I'd like to think most of us do at this point, right? I would not be shocked if he went to Washington. I would not be shocked by that. I wouldn't. I would not be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if he went to New England either. I would not be shocked by that. Both those teams, they want to reset their quarterback market with a winner. And to be fair, no one else in this quarterback draft class has won more games and lost less than J.J. McCarthy. Now, we obviously know wins are not a quarterback stat, but in this circumstance, teams are definitely going to be looking at that. J.J. McCarthy's lost one game as a starter. One game. That was against TCU last year. The last game J.J. McCarthy in, Michigan won a national title game. And I'm not saying J.J. McCarthy really blew the doors off that game. He played really good against Alabama. Washington, eh, they just kicked their ass in the run game. But New England, but Washington. And this is what I think is kind of funny. Like People are talking themselves out of Drake May and then putting in themselves in J.J. McCarthy. Which, back in September or October... That would have been insane to think about. Now, I was high on J.J. McCarthy going into the season. I was high on J.J. McCarthy. We had him at QB4. So, he finished. (laughs) Where I view him now is where I viewed him at the start of the season. So, my opinion about J.J. McCarthy has not necessarily changed all insanely much, to be 100% honest with you. It's fluctuated throughout the year, obviously, because things do. It's It's not a set thing. It obviously fluctuates. But wouldn't that be crazy? So the college football world, they don't think J.D. McCarthy is that good. Because when you, we've talked about this before. When you look at the stats, when you box score watch, and you look at, like, the Penn State game is a prime example. Seven for eight. Well, why is he not throwing that much? Michigan obviously does not trust him to throw the ball. Well, that's just not the case. It's not true. Michigan's game plan is to dominate you with the run. That's what Jim Harbaugh has always done. And people want to throw around different stats for different quarterbacks. But hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So Michigan and J.J. McCarthy are not obsessed with getting him 500 pass attempts, 5,000 passing yards, a Heisman Trophy. They're not obsessed with that. Michigan and J.J. McCarthy's goal was to win football games. I think J.J. McCarthy was perfectly fine doing whatever role he was placed in. But all I could say is this. When J.J. McCarthy was asked to do something for Michigan... He did it. 
You know, that Alabama game is a prime example of that. That throw he made against Ohio State to Roman Wilson is one of the best throws I've ever seen. I'm not even being I'm not being hyperbolic or anything. Go back and watch that there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We threw it between two defenders. Regardless if you want to think Roman Wilson actually caught the ball, it's a different story. The placement is perfect. And you look at the throw against Alabama. He had a couple throws against Alabama. Obviously, the one with the pass back with Donovan Edwards where he threw it up the side of the guy. His face hit by, Don, by Dallas Turner. Got smacked in the chin by Dallas Turner. J.J. McCarthy's stats may not blow you out of the water, but J.J. McCarthy is a damn good quarterback. Damn good quarterback. And if he tests well, I won't be shocked if he gets taken in the first three picks in the draft. Right now, where I'm sitting right now, because again, it's not a steady, it's not a, a, a set thing. It's going to fluctuate throughout the entire process because we're in silly season now. Like, it is March. We are just under two months away from the draft. Things are only going to get crazier and crazier and crazier. Will Levis was a lock to go fourth overall to Indianapolis the day of the draft. He didn't end up getting taken to the second round. Second pick of the second round. So again, anything can happen at this point in time in the NFL draft. Anything can happen. That's what's fun and also not fun with the NFL draft. Sadly, injuries are going to happen in this pro the pro day season. It's going to happen. Regardless, it's going to happen. And some quarterbacks will boost their draft stock immensely. I don't think, like, maybe Bo Nix creeps back into the first round, but I don't really see it at this point in time. I don't think Penix will. We've talked about the, the negatives in Penix's evaluation for months now. I think Spencer Rattler could definitely creep up at there, not in the first round, but I think we're getting four quarterbacks in the first round. We're getting three in the second round. That's Rattler, Nix, and Penix. I wouldn't be shot if Penix went to the third round, but that's where we're at right now. I think right now he's second. Then my uh, Joe Milton, Michael Pratt, creeping somewhere around third, fourth round. Then you got like the older guys like Sam Hartman, De- Devin Leary. You got those kind of guys out there too. Is there anybody I'm really missing? Jordan Travis, obviously coming off the injury. Uh, Keen Slovis is an interesting one. Obviously had that very good season at BYU. Never really found that <laughs> rhythm after that. But yeah, there's there's options, but the top of the draft will be very interesting because you're looking at the Bears, the Commanders, they're taking quarterbacks. The Patriots, one would guess they're taking a quarterback. Getting a veteran in, drafting a quarterback. Like, what would be very interesting is if, because I saw this today, was Bill Belichick's number one quarterback was Jane Daniels. He was infatuated with Jane Daniels. As we've talked about before, Bill Belichick was all about transitioning the Patriots offense. I mean, he wanted Justin Fields. He had Cam Newton. Like, he wanted to go in that direction, and they didn't. When Matt Jones with the carby copy of Brady, like Garoppolo, like, they they never fluctuated from that. So, would they actually go with Jane Daniels? Would Jerome Mayo share the same opinions about Jane Daniels as Belichick apparently did? I don't know. But if Drake May goes too, because they have the... What's scaring some people with Drake May is that he's raw, which I didn't think that would be the consensus about Drake May going in, but here we are. They have Sam Howell there. Sam Howell is not a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he's good, and I'm saying he's an NFL star, but he is not a bad quarterback by any means. He's not good. He's not bad. He's not going to be a star. You draft a guy to replace Sam Howell, but for the time being, he's fine. He played with Drake May in North Carolina, obviously. Drake May replaced him there. Might as well place him in the NFL. And they go Jane Daniels, then where's J.D. McCarthy go? Minnesota, Denver, 
Uh, the Giants, a very interesting teams to watch here. Dark Horse team to watch if Jaden Daniels falls past two, the Raiders. Antonio Pierce obviously coached and recruited Jaden Daniels at Arizona State, which we brought up before, but it just doesn't look like he's going to make it past three. But, hey, maybe the Patriots strike a trade with them. But the Patriots, if they like Jaden Daniels or like one of these quarterbacks, then shoot. Giants will be a team to watch, though, if they actually go after a quarterback or not. I think they got it. They're going to draft one. I don't know. Like, Michael Pratt feels like a Giants guy. Michael Pratt. Like, if I if I had to guess, like, Caleb Williams to the Bears. <sighs> I did see a couple, like, a week ago that Cliff Kingsbury said he's not going to emphasize running with the quarterback position. So that would, like, you would think on face value that would rule out Jaden Daniels, right? But I'm not, I don't want to do that. We're not doing that here. So Drake May to Washington, potentially. Jane Daniels to New England. Denver trades up for McCarthy. And then, ooh, or Minnesota trades up for McCarthy? Who would trade up for McCarthy? Who's more likely to trade up for McCarthy? Minnesota to Denver. Because I like Bo Nix in Denver. So just for sake of argument, we'll go J.D. McCarthy, Minnesota. Bo Nix in Denver. And this is not by any round. This is just me saying fit. Michael Penix to Seattle, just a city fit. Uh, Spencer Rattler feels like a Raiders guy. Michael Pratt to the Giants. Joe Milton. Eh. Who would Joe Milton fit with? The Saints and replace Jameis Winston down there. Colts. I love the analysis with Jay, with with Joe Milton. Like they're comparing him to Anthony Richardson, who's three years younger than him. Like that's kind of funny to think about. Steelers got Big Ben. Go to Big Ben. You got uh, Joe Milton in there. I saw someone linking him in Miami. Like that's the exact opposite kind of quarterback. The Dolphins would try. You go from Tua to Joe Milton. Those are like the literal opposites of each other. They're not even close to similar. But I don't know. Like Jordan Travis, he's be an interesting one to watch as well. But I think Bo Nix would work well in San Francisco too. But I don't. There's no way or Miami like a structured offense like that. But there's no way that happens. He feels like a Sean Payton type guy too. But yeah, McCar- That's what I. That's what like fit wise. That what makes me feel good. Williams to Chicago, May to Washington, Jay Nails New England, McCarthy to Minnesota, Bo Nix to Denver, Michael Penix to Seattle, Spencer Rattler to. Vegas, Michael Pratt to the Giants. That's where we're going to leave it with that because I don't want to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see what the Bills do, though. I'm very intrigued. So that, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked. Like, late, 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 late. It's always about depth. And the Bills never have good backup quarterbacks. They never do. I'm hoping they re-sign Mitch Trubisky because he's the best backup quarterback the Bills have had since Josh Allen's been there. Like, by far. Like you look at the backup quarterbacks Josh Allen's had behind him. It's been like, if we're including his rookie year when he got back healthy, you had Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley, who was there for a while. Nathan Peterman is technically a backup of Josh Allen, too. Then you had, who was after that? Matt Barkley was just the backup after that. Davis Webb was there for a little bit. He had Trubisky. Kyle Allen, Case Keenum. Like, they've... They get, it's either your Josh Allen's friend or... <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know. I have no idea. But Mitch Trubisky is the best fit for the Bills backup. But he's a he can be a bridge kind of guy at another team, like a worse team. But I feel like he fits nicely in Buffalo. 
Speaking of Buffalo, some Labatt. So smooth. So smooth. I want Mitch. I want Trubisky back. Oh, the Chiefs got Blaine Gabbert. Why can't we get somebody cool like Trubisky? <laughs> and with that, I think I think it's kind of funny to look at because you're going to get more and more of these since the season just ended. I've gotten two of these sent to me. I've gotten two of these sent to me. So the first one I want to look at is FanDuel. And FanDuel's always got interesting lists. I remember seeing a FanDuel tweet that said, would you rather have Alvin Kamara or LaDainian Tomlinson? Like, that is a very funny, like, begging for clicks type thing. And quarterback rankings for a lot of people out there are just begging for clicks and attention. Because no way is X greater than Z or whatever. Like, it's a, it, it's just funny to see how this all works out. So FanDuel's rankings are as follows. And we're going to go through the top 10 and click on random ones here. But top 10 reads Mahomes, Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, 5, Stafford, 6, Herbert, 7, Jordan Love, 8, Dak, 9, Jalen Hurts, 10. Obviously, I would switch up the order there, but that's not too far off of what I had as my top 10 at the end of the season. My top 10 was something along the lines of, I don't have it in front of me, I'm going to try to remember, was Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert, Stroud, Jordan Love, Dak, Purdy, and Stafford. I think it was my top 10. I know I had stat. I, I remember I moved. I think I moved Stafford up to nine, but I mean s- similar-ish around that fray. Matt Stafford had a very good year this year. Matt Stafford had a very good year, and they had Purdy. Speaking of him, all the way down at seventeen, which I understand because they have Tua down at nineteen, <laughs> which is funny to me. It's very funny to me, but that's that's just for hating purposes for Tua. <laughs> I I love I don't know if we talked about this commercial. That Paramount Plus commercial, they go from Josh Allen talking about how he has got a rocket arm compared him to Decepticons. And Tua, when he's in the commercial, he can't even get a hook and pulley, a hook and rope or whatever above a mountain. They literally could not have Josh Allen in that commercial. So they recast Tua in there because they made fun of his arm talent. Stuck his ass in nineteen. Dolphins? It'd be cool if you'd re-sign Tua to a max contract. Actually, cripple your franchise. It'd be super awesome. But then we get interesting here. We get very interesting down the line. So, number 12 is the first very interesting one. Is Caleb Williams at 12 to Chicago. That is very interesting because I always... When I rank quarterbacks and there's rookies included, they're always last. And normally when I rank, they're ranked in the order they were drafted in. So... I have a really hard time putting Caleb Williams above anybody right now. I understand the attention and all that stuff, but 12? He hasn't played a snap in the game yet. I understand he has all the potential in the world to be this and even higher, but right now we haven't seen him play yet. We can't really put him at anything yet. And you look down the list of people who's above, like Jared Goff, who had an insane year this year with the Detroit Lions, got all the way to the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers, who I understand is 40 and coming off Achilles tear, and Kirk Cousins, also coming off Achilles tear, had a very good season prior to tearing his Achilles. Brock Purdy, Kyler Murray at 18. Kyler's such a weird one to rank because Kyler Murray has top 10 talent. But he obviously was hurt, tore his ACL the year before, came back to a bad team, played well, boosted them a little bit, but he's a hard one to rank. I love myself some Kyler Murray. Uh, Justin Fields at 20. Then we got Drake May, 21. Anthony Richardson, 22. Surrounded by another rookie in Jane Dales at 23 with the Patriots. 
Then Baker, Deshaun, Daniel Jones, Michael Penix with Denver, Russell Wilson with Vegas, which I have a hard time believing the Broncos would trade a quarterback to a division rival, but that's that's neither here nor there. Derek Carr, Bryce Young at 30, J.J. McCarthy with the Falcons at 31, and then the last place is Will Levis, which Will Levis in last is kind of mean. I thought Will Levis did some good things this last year. But, like, there's nothing, like, I incredibly despise about this. It's just that the rookies are so high, especially Caleb Williams at 12. That's a little high. I'm not saying he can ever become that. I think Caleb Williams is very, 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 very good. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen in regards to college level. But 12 already? Man. I don't dislike the top 10. I really don't. But... I don't know. There's some things I would obviously switch around. But then the other one was Colin Cowherd's list. And Colin Cowherd always has some very interesting lists. He listed only 12 quarterbacks. And the top six are eerily similar to the last list. It goes Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Matt Stafford, Herbert. Pretty much same top five. Stroud's out. And they flipped Burrow and Lamar. Or top six, I should say. Uh, Then seven through 12 is Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, CJ Stroud, Dak Prescott. That's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> is this based off what they are or what we saw last? Because I'm kind of mixed on Trevor Lawrence right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm really not going to lie here. Because I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. But he stunk last year. Anybody, I understand he battled through injuries and all that stuff, but... The, the Jaguars did not meet anybody's expectations and lost the Titans last week of the regular season. Like, <laughs> that's not what the, was supposed to happen with Jacksonville. Again, I saw people saying they'd go 13-4 and four or even, God forbid, 14-3. and three. But Kyler Murray at 9, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers played four snaps, and he's 40. I, I understand it's Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. That's still kind of crazy to me right now. And Stroud at 11, Dak at 12, I think that's just mean to them. I think they were just, maybe I'm being a little too, like, I'm getting lost in the sauce for CJ Stroud because it's a rookie year and all that stuff. But Dak was a really good, he had a really good year. I understand, like, 90% of his targets went to CD Lamb, but he had a very good year. The top four quarterbacks in the NFL, I, I think, are relatively set in stone. Regardless, like, you can put them in whatever order you want unless the top two is different. <laughs> I like that the general consensus is now that football's done. Now, we can actually talk like adults and actually not pretend that anybody's in between Josh and Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to pretend that anymore for clicks because the season's over. Now we can actually talk like adults here and not need to sit down. The guy that had a Tyrod Taylor-esque season won an MVP is better than Josh Allen. Let's chill out here. Now, it was interesting, though, speaking of this, speaking of Josh Allen, Chris Sims, who I've got varied opinions on, he came out with a statement yesterday, I think it was, that kind of rattled some people on social media. And you know what? It's kind of crazy because I've actually brought this up to my friends before. Is Josh Allen the most talented quarterback to ever play? And I would like to say that I think so, but I would also like to preface that I'm not saying he's anywhere near the greatest quarterback of all time. Let's not get that twisted. Because... Josh Allen, I've asked Brady this before. I've asked Jared this before. We've sat down on the couch. We've actually talked about it. I think there's an art. You might not agree with it. I'm not going to die on this hill or anything. But what other quarterback has done in regards to jumping over defenders like Josh Allen? Well, like you compare Cam Newton. 
Cam Newton's nowhere near the thrower that Josh Allen is on a consistent basis. Nowhere near. Like, if you look at Cam Newton's career, like, everybody talk like, when Cam Newton's defending himself, and I think Cam Newton, when he was getting all that hate throughout the season about quote-unquote hating Brock Purdy, which he wasn't, if you ever actually watched the clip, they would always look at his completion percentage. And he would always go, I was a dual-threat quarterback. So you got to look at both. Well, Josh Allen's also a dual-threat quarterback. <laughs> Josh Allen does not have a completion percentage problem. Cam Newton's best career completion percentage-wise was the same year they drafted Chris McCaffrey. You can put two and two together on that one. I, I'm not gonna help. I'm not gonna lead you there. You're gonna have to figure that one out yourself. Like in regards to size, arm talent, athleticism, there's no one that has been like this. Cam's obviously up there, but Cam was not a consistent passer. Cam had really good moments as a passer. Cam had a very good arm. I'm not taking anything away from Cam Newton. Rivalry won an MVP. Had one of the greatest rookie seasons in NFL history. But in regards to just all-around player, like Josh Allen's career high in rushing yards is higher. Last time I checked, I could be wrong about this. I'm going to look it up now just so I don't make myself look more like a dickhead than I already do. Josh Allen's career high in rushing yards is higher than Cam Newton's. Hold on. Cam Newton's career high in rushing yards, this could be really funny if it bites me in the face, is 754. He got that in 2017. 2017. 754. Right? Yeah. Josh Allen's career in rushing yards is 763. And he did that in 2021. 763 for Josh. And the year after, so if you want to say, well, Cam Newton only played 16 games. Josh Allen played 17 games. Well, ironically, the year after, the Bills only played 16 games because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Josh Allen ran for one less yard than he did the season prior. He ran for 762. So in a 16-game season, he still had that. He still had that. On less carries, might I add. Cam Newton ran for 100, had 139 attempts. Josh Allen only ran 124. Averaged 6.1 yards attempt per attempt. In 2022, when he had 762, and 700, uh, 6.3 yards per attempt in 2021. So in yards per attempt, Josh Allen's career high in yards per attempt as a runner is 7.1. He got that as a rookie. Cam Newton's career high as rushes per attempt is 5.8, and that was his second year in the NFL. Like Josh also has two years where he has above six yards per attempt. Not only that, he set an NFL record for rushing touchdowns in a single season. Breaking Cam records, Cam Newton's record, yes, but still breaking the record. Josh Allen ranks only behind Cam Newton in regards to rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks in NFL history. Josh Allen has the most touchdowns since 2020 by a very wide margin. You might be surprised by that, but it's by a decently wide margin. And you can go Google that one yourself because I don't have it right in front of me right now. So I think it's funny that Chris Sims brought that up because Chris Sims has a very questionable takes in the past. Like he had Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence in his draft process and Kellen Mond above Justin Fields. So that's like he's got interesting takes, but arguably the most talented QB in the history of football. Like as regards of talent, yes, 100%. I'm not saying 100% the, like definitively, but arguably... 
That's a he's hundred percent arguably the greatest. I go caught myself. Most talented quarterback of all time. So I compared him just to Patrick Mahomes with Brady and Jared because Patrick Mahomes I've never seen jump over anybody. And I'm not saying I'm not saying here do not get this twist. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is worse than Josh Allen. I'm not saying that. Patrick Mahomes is obviously the number one quarterback in the NFL right now. There's a difference between being talented and being better. There's two different. That's a, there's a difference there. There's a difference. And I've got time left in the show to try and walk you through the dis- difference between the two. It kind of it makes sense. Just bear with me. <laughs> it's like saying Patrick Mahomes is not, he's the greatest quarterback in Chiefs history. He's not the greatest quarterback player for the Chiefs. It makes sense. I'm not going to explain it to you. You got to figure that one out yourself. But in regards to talent, yes. Regards to talent, yes. I just, God, I pray that he gets a Super Bowl or something. Because if I'm being honest here, and it's going to be like, I already said Josh Allen's the greatest quarterback in Bill's history. Josh Allen needs like, what was it? My dad sent it to me the other day. He doesn't need a lot of touchdowns to be the Bill's all-time leading touchdown getter. Where's that? Yeah, t- total touchdowns with Bill's quarterback. He needs to get 24. Josh Allen's had for over 40 touchdowns the past four seasons. Like I, I'm not too worried about Josh Allen getting 24 touchdowns next year unless he gets hurt. Knock on wood, uh, insanely <laughs> on an insanely high amount. Goodness gracious. But man, fun stuff, fun stuff, and the combine. Fun stuff. Quarterbacks, fun stuff. J.J. McCarthy, scout, process, whatever. Fun stuff. Do I have anything else that's really on my mind today? Do I have anything that's really grinding my gears today? Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Oh, yeah, this stuff. The Caleb Williams. So Caleb Williams did an interview with Pete Thamel of ESPN. Talk about legacy and stuff like that. And he's the most... Tim and J.J. McCarthy, for completely different reasons, are the most polarizing prospects in this year's draft. For completely different reasons. J.J. McCarthy's more on the field. Caleb Williams is more off the field. Because remember we talked about Mike Florio, who Chris Sims works with, who I have nothing really positive to say about Mike Florio, <laughs> said that Caleb Williams wants ownership in a team, which is stupid. And guess who ran with it? Emmanuel Acho. <laughs> I also have very little positive to say about Emmanuel Acho. Took it and ran with it. And he's like, oh, I knew it was fake. That's why I posted the Twitter. And then he deleted the tweets. And then you got the whole thing. He's not going to play for the Bears. I don't think he has any issue playing for the Bears. I think he's kind of accepted. Even if he did, he's going to get drafted by the Bears regardless. The Washington Commanders would have to send some ridiculous offer to get them off the number one pick. A ridiculous offer. He was also going to stay in school to get more NIL money. Wasn't Remember, that was a thing too. And that just hasn't happened. Yeah, crazy. Oh, th- you know, that's the final thing I want to talk about. Uh, Kaylin Clark announced she's going to the WNBA draft. And I think this is funny when you hear, like, talk about this situation. I was actually talking about my this, this with my parents the other day. It's like, why would she go to the WNBA? She makes more money now than she would in WNBA. I was like, well, no, that's blatantly not true. <laughs> I'm not saying the WNBA is a cash cow and she's going to get paid a multi-million dollar contract or anything like that. But she keeps all of her endorsements, plus gets a shoe deal, plus gets an actual contract. She's going to make more money <laughs> than she does right now. And it doesn't really take that long to wrap your brain around it. She's not getting paid at Iowa. 
She's got all these different sponsorships, like Nike, Gatorade, State Farm. Uh, got some car sponsorships. She's got a card thing. Like she, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna be making more money. Best believe, she's fine. She went. She announced she's going to the WNBA today. So congratulations, to Kaylin Clark. She needs 17 more points to pass Pete Maravich to be the all-time scorer in college basketball history, regardless of men's and women's. So congratulations, to Kaylin Clark, on that. Greatest Iowa Hawkeye of all time. You got some competition from the likes of, you know, Chuck Long. Obviously, great player at the University of Iowa. You've got the likes of Luca Garza, one of the greatest players to ever play for the University of Iowa. Maggie Gustafson, another player that gets a lot, should get a lot of credit for the University of Iowa. He's got Niall Kinnick. I don't know why he wasn't the first one. Duke Slater. Like, you've got a lot of players you can think of for the University of Iowa, but Kalen Clark reigns supreme above all of them. No one has done more for an individual sport than Kalen Clark has in these past two years. Almost every game, I think it was every game but two, that Iowa played in this game this year were sold out. Every single one apart from two, I believe. And now she's got, she broke every single record. She's about to be the all-time scorer, all-time leading scorer in college basketball history, men's and women's. And she, I don't really suspect she'll struggle scoring 17 points. Some tells me she'll, I don't think she'll struggle. All in four years. No, and I no COVID year, no fifth year, four years. True senior. So going to the WNBA, yeah. And she'll get the biggest contract in WNBA history. I don't know what that would entail, but all I know is right now she'll make more money in the WNBA than she will in college because she's actually getting a contract in a shoe deal. When Nike drops those shoes, you saw what Sabrina Ionescu's shoes did. Like, I, I have no... There's no reason Caitlin Clark will not do the same thing in the WNBA. The best thing for the WNBA is Caitlin Clark. The WNBA right now is in the best spot it's ever been. I'm not saying it's in a great spot by any means, but it's in a better spot than it was a decade ago, and it'll be even a better spot when Caitlin Clark comes up to join. Now it'll be really hard for Iowa to recruit. I'm intrigued to see how that happens because – you're not going to really find another Caitlin Clark, a homegrown prospect like that. You're not going to find that. So we'll see. We'll see. Now, uh, the only thing Caitlin Clark has left to do is win a natty. So I would, I guess, can do that. I'm not saying it's going to be a like a real, real, real option because South Carolina looks like a freaking steamroller right now. But, you know, crazier things have happened, right? Iowa was supposed, wasn't supposed to beat South Carolina last year, and they did. So may, crazy things have happened. Crazy, crazy, crazy things have happened. On the men's side, Iowa State, they lost to Houston last week, but they look good. I mean, not they didn't look good <laughs> against Oklahoma last night, but they won, and they could be a problem come tournament time, ter- tournament, tournament time because of how good they play on defense. Same with Houston. They're, college basketball is getting fun. I'm glad I'm getting back into it now, but it's fun. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. I think that's all I've got for you today. I don't think I have any more pressing matters at hand. Quarterbacks are just a big talking point right now. So I, I implore you to watch the combine on Saturday. Again, the quarterbacks and receivers and running backs, they'll take the field at noon on Saturday. You can watch that on the NFL Network. Obviously, the D-linemen, linebackers went today. D-backs and tight ends go tomorrow, so Friday. So when you're listening to this at 2, so if you want to watch that on the NFL Network, the offensive linemen on Sunday at noon there as well. Oh, my goodness. I don't think it was the greatest show ever, but you know what? We we went through it. It's been a while. It's been two weeks since we recorded a show, so bear with me here. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. Probably better next time. And yeah, 
that's all I've got for you today. And make sure to follow the Logan Blatt, all those, follow Logan Blatt on all those different forms of social media we mentioned before. And I will see you all later. Peace.